2: That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.
3: Welcome to Wood Talk Online Radio. For woodworkers, by woodworkers. Now, here are three guys who are actually under the illusion that woodworking is cool. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. Alrighty,
2: it's episode 110, and I'm feeling very... Turkey ish, gobbly. It's a couple days before Thanksgiving. So if we're a little bit off, it's because we're all excited about pie and meat. So yeah, expect it's that.
3: Very, I, I'm very pie in the sky kind of uh, feeling right now. That's my attitude.
2: I am very thankful
1: we were able to record a day early so that we can have Matt with us.
3: <laughs> I, I appreciate you guys making that concession, definitely. And I know the audience does too because it just wouldn't be right.
2: right? Yeah, if, we, if we saved it for tomorrow, we would not have been able to. Have our good buddy Matt here, but anyway. Actually, it's a, my biggest fear
3: before you get to that is the fact yeah. that people would be calling in and saying, Keep it this way. Hey, people this sounds great. Not. Good job, guys. <laughs> Alright, so it's uh it's episode one ten for November twentieth,
2: twenty twelve. Today's show is supported by Bad Axe works. What did Doc Holiday, Wyatt Earp, and Jim Bowie all have in common? They were real bad axes. Just like Shaka Zulu, Captain America, and Darth Vader. Throw down with bad axe on your side. You won't regret it. Visit BadaxToolworks.com for more information. And by BenchCrafted.
3: BenchCrafted is work-holding for serious woodworkers. Remember what Chris Schwartz says, BenchCrafted makes the three best woodworking vices I've ever used. And just to be clear, BenchCrafted only makes three vices. Visit BenchCrafted.com for more information.
2: All right, on today's show, we're going to talk about granite versus steel, choosing the right gloves for finishing, wood-handled tools in dry climates, fixing a blunt plane iron, bevel angles for chisels and plane blades, and transitioning from hobbyist to pro, which should really lead to some interesting and uh, ill-informed conversation, I think. Yikes, how (laughs) long do we have? (laughs) Yeah, so Matt, if you want to give him the contact info, we'll move right along.
3: All right, well, we're going to transition right into this with no problem at all. If you have comments, questions, or topic suggestions, don't forget you always have several ways to get a hold of us. Leave us a voicemail on our Skype account, which find us. Our username is WoodTalkOnline. Call our voicemail line, 623-242-5180. Email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. Leave us a comment on our Wood Talk Facebook page, which is a lot of you have been doing that. And oftentimes they might actually be woodworking related too. That's been a lot of fun. <laughs> That's
2: always
1: nice. Right on.
3: Uh, don't forget, you can also find us at thewoodwhisperer.com. You can find us at renaissancewoodworker.com, matt's basementworkshop.com, And we also have a forum over at woodtalkonline.com. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking for Any of the previous shows that we have, any show notes, any links that we talk about in today's show or any of the other ones, you can find all of that great information over at woodtalkshow.com, and that is your main source for listening and all that stuff. Wow! At that point, I was starting to really go, and then I nosedived <laughs> off because I'm thinking, "Wait a minute, what do I have left to say?" So, only the with best. that said, <laughs> let's go to the bench. <laughs> nice. All right, Shannon,
2: what do you uh, what do you have on the bench? Tell us tell us about the camera saga because that's oh, that's God. a never ending uh, source of entertainment this week. I love yeah, hearing okay. about
3: other people's misery. It works great <laughs> for me.
1: We, we we meaning the three of us have been swapping emails like all week long, and it's only Tuesday. Yep, two and, weeks. Um, my my hd camera is dead it it when you turn it on it does nothing except make a horrible grinding noise you know like when an old like optical disc drive goes bad mm. it makes that like scratchy noise that's what it sounds
2: like wonderful but
1: it's it's not it's not a drive it's the actual motor of the lens the focus um motor whatever you call that right because right. i'm so photographically uh savvy here and i like uh, to
3: call it a servo because that just sounds like i know what i'm talking about yeah
1: servo motor good one. so all i can say is is thank goodness uh i record to an sd card um so i was able to actually download like 32 gigs worth of footage um you know just straight to a driver but you know i'm looking into some repair uh repair outlets but Honestly, I wondered, can you even repair consumer electronics anymore? It just doesn't seem like that's That's, that's the frustrating
2: thing, isn't it? I mean, anymore with any type of electronics, it seems like it's always cheaper or maybe just a little bit more expensive to get a brand new right. model. Well, and I've been considering getting a second camera
1: anyway because I, I end up, especially for the hand tool school, I end up shooting everything just about everything twice, yeah. you know, because you do the the overall shot and then you do a close-up shot. You can do cutaways and picture-in-picture type stuff. So I've, I've already been considering and I've been kind of setting aside money from the budget to do that, but I wasn't quite ready to do
2: that. <laughs> Not ready to pull the trigger.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, yeah, it, I, I started doing some shopping last night and I was just disturbed at what has happened to camcorders yeah. since I bought yeah. mine for Four years ago, I guess. Um, I guess just there's not that much of a market for it anymore because everybody does like phone videos and things like that. Yeah. So there, there is either, you know, $9,000 camera or $250 camera.
0: Right. And,
1: you know, my – I think my camera was about $1,500 when I got it four years ago. That kind of – what do they call them? Prosumer cameras? That It just yeah. doesn't exist yeah. anymore. So uh so needless to say, I'm I'm actually off tomorrow from work. I've got five days off. Um, I was so excited to get into the shop and get caught up on some filming and I don't have a camera. So this is my official public service announcement to hand tool school members. I'm sorry. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> There's gonna be a bit of a delay. I've got a solution that I can work on uh, over the over the uh the weekend, but you know, you get spoiled by a good quality camera. I did some test footage last night on this other camera, and it's like, ew.
2: Yeah, yeah, it can <laughs> be rough. And, fe- and the feature sets really vary now too. It's it's hard to get. Even if you do find a camera that's pretty close, does it have a microphone input? You know, does it have the things yeah. you're going to need to make a good show? Right. Yeah.
1: Well, I've got I've got my show stoppers, of course, that's one of them. The external mic port is is absolutely one of them. But yeah, I mean, the technology has changed. Go you know, go figure. Since I bought my last camera, so what I what I knew then when I did all this research is yeah. completely obsolete now yep, yep. <laughs> so it's like relearning anything yeah, you got to step
2: up to the uh, the three thousand dollar range and that'll get you some really nice options
1: <laughs> yeah well you know that that's something I'm seriously looking at but i've I've actually ordered a bunch of lights for the shop first right right as well as you guys have said and any photographer person will tell you you know a good camera will only take you so far yeah. and my lighting is just terrible because of my seven and a half foot ceilings, I just, I, I either, I either have absolutely no facial features because I'm completely washed out or you can't see
3: a thing. So I
2: thought you just looked like that.
3: Yeah, I did too. I assumed, yeah, you were very <laughs> washed out notice. and maybe you were always little needing a transfusion possibly. Yeah. Right. Yeah, nice. So there is actually a question
1: on the Facebook page about a good setup. I will be very well informed, um, probably shortly after Cyber Monday.
2: There you go.
1: Nice. <laughs> but uh you know as far that's really what's on my bench nothing has changed since last week it's the same old stuff i'm working on
2: well this edition of camera talk has been bought to you, brought to you by uh hantle school thank you <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah. right. um all right that's cool well well we hope you uh you get at least something decent in there keep us posted
3: on that yeah, yeah. absolutely matt how about you brother well for me uh and kind of like she not much has really changed all that much off my bench the big thing for me was over the weekend I don't know if you guys remember this little saga earlier this summer where I uh, had some saws stolen off of my front porch <laughs> well I've always kind of been looking to replace those and up until not recently every antique store that I would hit because that's where I was going for thinking I'm gonna get the cheapest ones or at least something really decent uh, everything's been hit or miss and usually completely a miss uh, but I finally found a store that at one point Uh, My son Aiden and I were walking through and I'm like, that's a really nice one. Okay, let's let's remember what booth this is and we'll come back to it. And we found this one booth that was like hitting the mother load. This is like being a gold miner and suddenly you're doing your little pan, you're washing and then like there's a huge turd sized gold nugget sitting right in the middle of your (laughs) pan. And you're like, oh, my God. (laughs) Gold turds. Wonderful. Yeah. And so, but the, the the great thing about this was there was a whole bunch of hand saws. And so I was able to just kind of uh, rifle through them and pull out the best ones that I could. Um, I found a really nice distant number eight. The, even the handle is pretty decent on it and has all of the, the, the nuts and everything on it, which is a huge upgrade from the ones that I had before that were stolen. Um, and then I found a, a second one that's going to work equally well. So I'm going to give this another try to get my vintage saws or my new vintage saws up and running. But for me, the really neat thing was coming around yet another corner thinking I'm going to find another really golden one. And I know I had posted something and Shannon, you responded to it. There was a a handsaw maker by the name of Harvey Peace, P-E-A-C-E. I knew nothing about this, but the funny thing, I'd never heard of him before. Not like I really had a, a vast inventory of saw manufacturer names running through my head at any time. But when I finally had a chance to look up Uh, who he was and what the saws are like, I noticed that there were a few out there uh, that I think if I had purchased these, I probably could have easily doubled my money on eBay. They Mm -hmm. weren't in spectacular condition, and I'm assuming that because the button says piece on it that that must be the actual manufacturer. I know there was a a stamp on one of the blades or something, uh, but the price that they had for it, I could have bought four of these saws that I ended up buying for the price of just that one, and I was thinking, hmm... Next time. Maybe I'll do that next time. <laughs> nice. Thanks. Very cool. So that was that's the big thing for me. So uh hopefully eventually we'll see so- something better from that and not the same old damn it, somebody else stole another set
2: of saws. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. But, Speaking of stolen, uh that's what I was thinking about your situation. I, I was laughing about the saws and I'm like, Yeah, that's right. I actually just had a ladder stolen off of my front porch, so uh I'm not immune mm. here either. <laughs>
3: But so I That be, one, that, that, that it had to have happened in the middle of the night or something. I can't imagine just like some random dudes walking down the street yeah. or a lady, depending hey, on who they are. And they're, they're just like, you know, oh, look, there's a ladder. I wonder where he's going. You know, a ladder I could see. Your saws,
2: that I just don't, I don't get it. But I guess they stole a, a packaged item, right? They didn't know what yeah. was in it. So exactly. they were just disappointed when they got it home. But it was probably a big really
1: package had- too. They <laughs> thought it was
3: electronics or something. That's, that's true. true. So, yeah. I'm th- I'm thinking they're like, Oh yeah, we're getting something really cool. And I really I that's my one uh condolence is the fact that I know that they opened that up and went, What? Oh, yeah man. Exactly. Yeah. No, I think
2: that's just my karma backlash though for, for making fun of you for having yours stolen. The so. <laughs> <Nice>. fault <laughs> time. Yeah, it comes it comes around. If
1: you think about it though, somebody's gotta have some serious cojones to go and take a ladder off yeah. someone's front porch. That's yeah. not like a sneak up, sneak away, you know, clang, clang, and walking down the the street with a ladder <laughs> under your
2: arm, yeah, I'm thinking it's either the middle of the night or or which makes me even a little bit more nervous is thinking that it was done during the day and they just knew that we weren't home at the time, which means they're paying attention, you know that uh-huh. that type of thing makes me a little bit nervous, but uh. What are gonna you know,
3: do? We had an incident here in the neighborhood. My kids were home. My babysitter was here. My neighbor was out actually mowing his grass. This was a couple of years ago. Uh, a guy just walked right up in front of my neighbor, grabbed my babysitter's bike and then rode away. And my ba- my neighbor's like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on. So I to chase the guy. <laughs> oh, but we've heard some other stories of pretty, pretty blatant stuff. So unfortunately, it's like one of those. Aha. I see it's gotten to your neighborhood now. Finally, our mm. home values are the same. Thieves. Thieves are <laughs> butt
2: munches. I'll tell you. All right, well, I guess I I'll, uh, like so. <laughs> What's on your benchmark? <laughs> uh, well, I'm picking out the project parts for this bed at this point and just kind of looking at the drawing and, and assigning the parts to the boards. At that point, you ever get to that point before a project where you're just it's a one of the humps of a project is before you actually make the first cut, and, and you just kind of keep, you keep procrastinating a little bit, and it's like ah, okay, tomorrow I'm gonna cut this wood, you know. <laughs> so I'm at that point where I'm just assigning the parts, laying everything out, and, and just getting prepared. So very, very close to the actual official start of the project. So looking forward to that. Uh, the other thing is I've got a couple products that I want to take a look at. I was uh, sent a few of these airless sprayers from Graco Have you guys ever used an airless sprayer for either paint or or any kind of finishing product?
3: Mm, I can't say I have. No, I
2: don't. I don't know
3: what is a Wagner sprayer. That's usually
2: yeah. That's usually an airless sprayer, and I've used those for for latex paint and things in the past. Well, did you know that you can use them if it's you know high grade and set for a fine finish? You actually can supposedly use them for. Spraying finishes and I'm very curious about it so I got my hands on a couple different models and instead of thinking like HVLP, think about a self-contained unit. Some of them are cordless. Some of them have to be plugged in. Uh, But the whole thing, you know, has the finish. It has, you don't have to be tethered to a turbine um, and it's a standalone unit to spray finish with. And I'm thinking, wow, that's actually a pretty cool thing. So I want to be able to to test it out and let everybody know what the results were and whether it actually is something we could use for clear finishes and things that we would use in a shop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I
1: remember reading that because I've just got one of those, you know, Home Depot specials that I use to paint my house. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, it, it does say in there that you can, you know spray a finish Uh, spray spray a clear finish or a varnish or something and I I was just kind of looked and laughed at that and
2: said yeah whatever. Yeah well and all turbines generally say that they can also spray latex which is questionable just based on the results sometimes and no you actually can't but uh, so that's that and the other thing is and this is always a sore spot for me on the show um, at least like on the free site is if you had a whole bunch of cabinets to install and you had an opportunity to get something installed that was pre-made But still good quality. Would you guys do it or or would you insist on building them all yourself? Now, mind you, a lot of cabinets. You have quite a few, like at least a couple kitchens worth of cabinets. Would you even bother doing it yourself?
3: Uh, If I have an opportunity to get high-end ones, uh, to me, I'm at that point now where time is money. And I'm going to end up going with with the pre-made ones because I know that I would hate Every minute, I'd never be able to walk into the room and look at those cabinets and go, "Man, I love those <laughs> cabinets." All I would see was that was like how many days of my life.
2: <laughs> yeah, and and it's such a utilitarian thing for the shop. How, how about you, Shannon? I mean, it, let, let, totally t- agree. Same okay.
1: same boat.
3: Yeah,
2: okay. and well, I, and
1: I did that. The current cabinets in my shop, I did build them all, and it was like a month of melamine hell. Right, just awful.
2: Right, and it's not fun at all. Like I think a lot of people may say, "Oh, you know, you should have made him yourself." But can you think of anything more boring than assembling and and building a plywood cabinet, you know, for for utility purposes? I mean, that's one of the most boring things we can do as woodworkers. Um, So the reason I bring this up is because I am trying out uh, some cabinets from a company that makes pre made cabinets to order. So you basically punch in the dimensions and they batch these things out for you. It's uh, called Cabinotch and it 's a mm. uh patented locking interlocking system that allows you to assemble these things very very quickly and it 's not you know crappy cabinets. this is made with uh really high quality plywood it has a face frame, and you can completely design this thing custom from top to bottom any side you want and uh yeah the the wood that they use is actually that pure bond stuff um uh, have you i don't know if you guys are familiar with it some home depots actually carry it uh, that green um formaldehyde free stuff yeah 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 so. so- So it's a Columbia Forest Products material and and very, very high quality. So that is what I'm going to be using for the initial bank of cabinets that goes behind the workbench, uh, which again, totally utilitarian, and later on I'm probably going to build some cabinets for the miter bench, but it's going to be a much smaller uh, self-contained setup that I think will be much more interesting to people than building just a basic set of shop cabinets. Uh, yeah, so that's that's in my future, and that's kind of what I've been thinking about lately. So hopefully that'll come in, and and I guess after this next project, I'll be able to start assembling. To
1: check this out, the little banner on that webpage across the top says "Orders currently shipping in five days."
2: Yeah, nice, right? What? Wow! <laughs> so clearly they've got this thing dialed in, and, and you basically, if you go to the website, you could look at wall units, base units, and special tall units. You can. Anything that you can imagine and design and give them the dimensions for, they could build it for you. Now, I should add that they aren't making drawers and they're not making doors, so that's something that I will have to construct, but that's a huge amount of the workload that's taken off my plate for me. Well, oh, yeah. there
1: are companies that will do that for you. Just call that's Western true. Dovetail and they'll make the drawers for yeah, you. That's
2: true, <laughs> exactly. too. I don't know, maybe I, I shouldn't tempt myself. I really was expecting to build those things, but <laughs> I don't know, maybe I'll change my mind. All right, so that's all I've got going on. Let's um, move to the Around the Web section here, and I've got one, well, we've got a couple of uh, deals for Black Friday since that's coming up, and there's always good deals to be found, so keep your eye out. We, we don't have everything here. Just watch Twitter and take a look at the forums. You'll find some good stuff. Uh, but I do have a link that's not related to that. Uh, Brian Grabski. I don't know if you guys have have remembered me mentioning him uh one other time. He does amazing work and he also does amazing video work. uh he has a fantastic video that oh, you have yeah yeah, yeah. you seen just seen gotta see it week. it's it's so good, it's so well produced it makes you know, kind of like we say at the top of the show, three woodworkers that think woodworking is cool. This actually does make woodworking cool <laughs> <laughs> when you see this video. Uh Just outlining the production of of uh, it, just looks like he's building one big room worth of of, of stuff. It, you know, he's designing everything from top to bottom, uh, but so well produced, so well stylized, it's it's just awesome. You got to check it out. Sweet. All right, the next thing I wanted to mention, Powermatic. You know them, right? They make great stuff. Uh, um, did they have like yellow looking tools or something? Yellow, kind of yellowish, puke pukeish <laughs> green yellow? Um, yeah. Really great tools despite the color choice. Uh, But yeah so from November 23rd to the 26th they have their Black Friday sale and basically everything in terms of machines is 15% off and all the accessories are 20% off and I'm pretty sure just about any place you could buy Powermatic stuff they're going to reflect these sale prices so uh, including Amazon.com so definitely November 23rd to 26th if you're in the market for some big tooling you definitely want to check that out.
1: Nice. Cool. Cool. Shannon And we all have affiliate links to Amazon.com. So pick who
2: you like the best.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Yeah, I've been getting emails all day from um, Peachtree Woodworking. uh, 50% off. And then I got one that said 70% off select items. It's one of those things where, you know, I don't think they have any specific code or anything, but they've got just a whole bunch of stuff. Hmm. It's just one of those great sites where you can go and get like shop accessories from clamps to, to glue to sandpaper, it's just yeah. a great, um, great place to go for that kind of necessity type stuff. Cool,
3: sweet. Well, I, you know, I went ahead and I, I just added one here. Uh, Bell Forest is having twenty five percent off on Friday only. In fact, they're not even giving out the code that you would enter to get the twenty five percent off. You have to visit their their site on Friday to get the code for the checkout. And it's only uh, for website orders and uh, some of their, their handpicked boards. Hmm. Uh sort of the other things they have going on, it doesn't apply to those. But at 25% off on Friday, hmm, if there's something I'm really thinking I want to build and I want something particular and they have it, that might be worth the effort.
2: Well, if you were concerned about shipping costs, you know, because they're pretty yeah. far away for a lot of people, that's uh, that's going to definitely take care of that for you.
0: Absolutely. That'll
1: Actually, that'll do it and then some. Yeah. Say, my um, all my hand-tool school members get 15% off at hardwood to go, and that basically covers shipping in most almost every instance. Very cool!
2: All right, sweet. Now, we don't really have a poll of the week officially, but Matt, I was curious, did you have a poll of the week this week?
3: I I do actually. This one, uh, he's he's a good friend of the show, it's uh, Jonathan P. Szopinski. Nice. And so we want to give him a, a big, huge uh, uh, congrats on being poll of the Week. He is the owner of uh, White and Red Works uh, LLC, and he, we've seen him at Woodworking in America. He's also a rather frequent contributor over at Facebook. So, uh, Jonathan and the rest of you, Shopanskys, uh thank you very much. <laughs> you know, I would hazard to guess that
2: possibly Brian Gramski might also be of Polish descent.
3: Yeah. You know what? We could have two polls of the week this week. It's very I think possible. that sounds great. It's very possible. It's possible Buski. It's
2: All right. <laughs> <laughs> Is that too much of a generalization that if it ends in <laughs> SKI that it's a, a Polish uh, Polish last name? Um, I thought that I was almost it's a, it's a rule. A,
3: it's, it's a safe one to go it's, with. Yeah. I'm sure at some point it'll come back and bite us in the rear. But. <laughs> like not everything not else. that Matt is my gold
1: standard for these things, but I'm just excited to know that that's how you pronounce Jonathan's last name. Actually, I
3: had to ask him for the pronunciation <laughs> key. Okay. So, so you did some research on that. You said yeah, it yeah, with yeah. such authority, Matt, that I believed you. So Well, it's funny because you said that's the easy way to pronounce it. There's actually another way to pronounce that front part, and I'm like, dude, please, why can't you guys you know, figure out a different way to pronounce <laughs> all those you know, comments? just one (laughs) simple way
2: please (laughs) yes you collectively all
3: of you polish people please (laughs) figure this out
2: (laughs) all right moving on to our voicemail we do have one and he's asking about the differences between granite and and steel oh hey guys um a question uh new to woodworking uh we're just really beginning anyway and uh my dad and i were at the uh, local woodwork store here in columbus ohio and we ran across some stuff from uh Steel City, um, ironically, it was not made of steel. It had
0: uh, granite, and so I was curious as to what the difference was between granite and using steel, and what your preferences
3: were. Thanks, guys.
2: All right, so he's he saw a Granite City tool, apparently. Yeah, and uh, Granite City
3: isn't that Pennsylvania? Wait, no, that's <laughs> Granite State. I oh, <laughs> get those two mixed up all the time. All right, so isn't, Matt, isn't you live uh, New Hampshire? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Question. Sorry, um, I, I ruined something else this time. <laughs> <You> <laughs>
2: don't, suck, don't even ask Shannon.
3: me about the capitals for any any state. I mean, like if I always thought for the longest time New York was New York's capital, but it turns out I'm wrong. Mm, yeah, and, and then there was my many. whole philosophy of that if it's a sports team, whatever the name is in the sports team, that must be the capital of that state.
2: <laughs> That'll steer you wrong once in a while. <laughs> um, all right, Matt. So you had a granite topped table saw in the past. I figured yes. you might be the best person to address this question.
3: Okay. Well, it's really plain and simple when it comes down to at least the saw that I had the steel city version there is no difference whatsoever in how it ran versus a comparable ver- uh, model from any other manufacturer. The one big difference I have noticed now that I have a saw stop saw is uh, which has the regular metal top the noise is much louder with the regular cast iron top versus the granite. That The granite comes oh. in at almost two inches thick and it really does a great job of dampening the extra vibration that no causes kidding. that extra sound. Now, yeah, and even I- think I w- about that yeah I mean yeah. It, it really it, it makes a huge difference in fact I thought that I had set up the motor wrong somehow like I had really made a huge mistake while I was doing it but it it, it does increase the sound considerably oh. I, it's not quite enough that I wouldn't go setting this up at a nursery someplace, you know, and so when the baby's down. <laughs> come for the here, nap, Mateo.
2: <laughs> you're gonna love this.
3: Yeah, yeah, because you wouldn't do that because of the noise it makes. That's right. <laughs> There's that too, uh, but yeah, when it comes to the granite versus the the regular steel or the the, the metal tops, the only, the other big difference is on a uh, any day when I come in with a nice cold drink. I wasn't afraid to set my drink down on top of that granite top. I mean, it sounds really stupid, but it was really great to be able to just set it wherever I wanted to. And more importantly, I could also glue up on that surface, which a tabletop uh, for your saw is a nice big piece of property that you can get a lot of work done on. And so I would just glue up on there and then just scrape the glue off and go to town. And it, it was great. The other nice thing with the granite is that it is almost perfectly dead flat Um, i think the only spot that was a little out of whack was like this one little tiny spot in the center of one of the wings and it was the only spot on that area that was was out of whack so Hmm. that was really really nice
2: so so basically what you're saying is it comes down to babies and beverages
3: it does (laughs) absolutely (laughs) the difference between
2: uh granite and steel comes down to babies and beverages that's That's a good sales pitch i think
3: Nice. I, I, if they want to um, I, I'll go ahead and sell that to them if they, if Steel City wants to get a hold of me
2: there you go all right so moving on to our emails we've got quite a few so let's uh, let's plow through these first of all Billy from Billy's Little Bench wants to know what's our favorite pie this time of year
0: mm.
3: I am a huge fan of pumpkin but I can be persuaded by just about anything else <laughs> anything edible called pie I'll take it except <laughs> for that mincemeat stuff that's just wacky
2: uh, Shannon what about you <laughs>
1: I'm going to go with uh, my wife's pear cheese pie.
2: Ooh, that sounds rich mm-hmm. and delicious. Awesome. What kind cheddar of cheese? cheese? I'm and just, pear. Cheddar.
3: Oh, so it's like a giant Danish, basically. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, That sounds or, wonderful. Or for our Polish friends, it's more like a punschki. <laughs> I'll
2: take your word for that. <laughs> uh, <you're> nice. <laughs> for me, pumpkin all the way this year, this time of year. I oh, can eat so much pumpkin pie.
3: And the giant mound of whipped cream. Oh, so good.
2: Cool cool whip. I'll
3: see you guys later. I'm done for the show. <laughs> <laughs> all
2: right. So we actually do have some real woodworking questions here. Uh, I'll take the first one from Bill. He asks, I'm doing some finishing with an oil-based varnish. I'd rather not get oily goo all over my hands, so I use gloves. Latex or nitrile gloves? I don't know which. Well, they start out all stretchy, but after a while, about 10 minutes, the fingertips get hard and then the finish soaks into the glove. What kind of gloves should I be using? Whoop whoop, wood talk style.
1: Bill. nice
2: <laughs> I like that whoop whoop wood talk style awesome <laughs> All
1: right. that's so- what we need to do we need to get that guy side to do a, a bumper for us who? the, the guy what? the Gangnam
2: Style oh guy. that dude yeah he's probably very expensive now Yeah, probably. I'm
3: guessing. well. (laughs) We'll wait another month or two. We'll be able to get them for cheap.
2: Probably. All right. So, just real quick, when it comes to gloves, I kind of see it as a bit of a hierarchy, starting with your vinyl gloves. They're the cheapest, they're also the most fragile. I really would only recommend them for light duty things and water based finishes, so maybe if you 're doing some water based dyeing or you 're working with powders or things like that that 's when vinyl would be would be okay uh, but of course, you know when it comes to stocking up on these things, most of the time you 're just going to get one you know and stock up on that one that is the most useful to you, so it really does depend on what you 're doing. Uh, latex is pretty good. They're a little more comfortable, a little more durable. Uh, again, I would only recommend those for water-based because even mineral spirits from oil-based finishes will start to eat through there and, and penetrate. And Really, you're not just looking to keep the stuff off your hands because it's uncomfortable but because you don't want this stuff to soak into your skin. Yep. Uh, so Then next in line is probably, I think, what most people are going to consider the go-to and that's the, the, the nitrile variety. Uh, These are a little bit more expensive but they are really good for solvent protection. You're not really going to have a problem with your uh, lacquers or oil-based finishes. The one thing I will say though is if you use acetone and there have been times that I've tried to do like a really uh, intense cleaning, uh, some goo that was on a surface or something I needed to clean off, this stuff will eat through the nitrile gloves uh, so you have to be careful with the acetone. But basically when I stock up, I stock up on the nitrile. I find that they're the most uh user friendly for the broadest range of applications and pretty much gets anything done that I could possibly need to do
3: nice you know one thing i was thinking about this is it always seems like the ones at the home center compared to the ones that we purchase for for at the hospital mm-hmm. there's a slight difference because i have borrowed a couple from the hospital just to see if there was any any difference at all yeah. between them and i've noticed that the ones i purchased at any home center I'm practically just putting my hand in it they fall apart on me
2: <laughs> yeah that's well, yeah, what so i was
3: wondering it, there must be a uh you know the, not all nitrile
1: gloves are created equal
2: yeah the material thickness i imagine in and in, in of itself would, would play a role in that too um i get mine from sam's club from a big like uh what do you call those stores Crazy yeah. stores, yeah, exactly. What do they call store. those? Yeah, the buy in bulk stores. Uh, so Sam's Club has decent prices. I get like a three pack of gloves, and those are reasonable, reasonably priced, and they they last pretty long. And for the most part, they're durable. I don't know if they sustain multiple uses, uh, but certainly for single use, uh, they're they're not too bad at all. Yeah.
1: Whereas if you go to like Home Depot or whatever, and you buy that box, like the Kleenex box of nitrile gloves, yeah, yep, I have to believe those have got to be lower quality. I mean, you're
3: talking probably the same price for, it, it like thing is 50 always,
1: gloves. It,
2: right.
3: And my thing is how long have they been sitting there, too. I'm sure the turn, the, the turnover rate on those things probably – it's probably high, but I wonder where they've been sitting for the longest time. So, like I said, when, I've noticed there's a difference between the ones we get for the medical center and, and for that. The other thing – do you guys ever use, like, garden gloves or something like that, like those ones with kind of the, the rubber coating on them? Oh, yeah. I mean – I've been using those quite a bit, and I've noticed I've gotten more out of them. And then once they start getting a hole of that, I put them back out on Sam's side of the gardening shed. (laughs) See (laughs) if she
2: notices.
3: (laughs) And I seem to be doing pretty good. So that's something that I've I've actually gone to a few times.
2: And those can be good if you're doing, um, think about refinishing, you know, and you're touching some really, really caustic, nasty stuff. You might want to go for a higher grade, thick glove like that.
3: The the only other thing I could maybe suggest to Bill is to just finish faster.
2: Yeah. Okay.
3: Or just
1: dunk your hands in CA glue and then spray the activator over them. You get a nice, nice nice protective layer.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, Matt, you want to hit the next one?
3: Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's see here. This one is from, let me get this little window out of the way. This one's from Blake and Blake says, the Rocky Mountains are a great place to live, but the climate is very dry. And for the most part, it doesn't present a problem. As we all know, the dry can cause some severe shrinkage in wood, which is fine if you allow it. What I'm concerned about is how this the shrinkage will affect wood-handled tools like chisels and planes. I'd like to get a nice set of socket chisels, but I'm afraid the handles will never seat well once they've adjusted to the local humidity. Thanks for the help. Now, I, I was trying to think of some real quick things that we could do for this, but the number one thing, I did a quick uh, uh, search on this, and there is actually this was addressed over at Popular Woodworking, they went straight to Lee Nielsen and said, Hey, how do we get these uh, uh, socket chisels to keep in, in place? And he said... Hairspray. So I was thinking, yeah. oh, he's a John Waters fan. He must be talking about the movie <laughs> or the play. And <laughs> yeah. it turns out, no, he's actually talking about you spray the ends of the, the socket, the handles themselves, and then you set them back in. And he did a video. It's a little 30-second video over at Popular Woodworking. So I think we'll put the uh, the link in here so you can check it out. And he claims that it works amazingly well. So even if it shrinks down, the taper
2: is is positioned in such a way that you could still get it in enough that the hairspray trick would work? Right. Well,
1: and, and especially uh, if, you, if you look at a Lee Nielsen chisel, when the socket is seated all the way, it's not – the shoulder is not flush up against the metal. Oh, yeah. There's okay. still right. a little bit of space there. Yeah, so, so it's wedging itself in. Right, essentially, and it's a constant taper. So if the wood shrinks, then the handle – the shoulder on the handle just comes closer to the socket itself. Um, I have taken Miley Nielsen chisels from here in Maryland where it's really humid to visit my family in Colorado Springs where it's not and never had a problem. So there you go. So we, Except see, for the TSA, they had a problem, but that was a different <laughs> issue.
3: Well, if, if Blake needs any suggestions for um, uh, what type of hairspray to use, I'm sure he could turn to anybody from New Jersey. Um, <laughs> I'll go net, baby. <laughs> i all some the, way. Of the ladies out there, definitely
1: know their hairspray. <laughs> and I'm just going to say, because we're all thinking it, but I would suggest to prevent wood shrinkage, you know, pharmaceuticals, frankly.
2: Wah, wah.
3: Stay out of the cold water. That's like those cold water streams. Do they know yeah, about when, shrinkage? When I, when I first read that, I suddenly started thinking of Bob Denver. Or, or, yeah. And I was going to start Denver. singing rock, Rocky Mountain High. And that led me to. I, John Denver. I, I went the Bob same route. Denver.
2: And I started thinking Dipper. of the, uh, the line in Dumb and Dumber when they're driving <laughs> and it went the wrong way. And you're like, that John Denver is full of man. <laughs> All right. So, anyway. But, but you know
1: what, though? There's something to that. Because when I moved to Colorado from New Jersey, it was. um. We get, we entered Colorado, we're like, woohoo, Rocky Mountains. Three hours later, like, where <laughs> the hell are the mountains? <laughs> yeah. You forget the fact that, like, the Front Range is several hundred miles into Colorado. <laughs> right. right. So, yeah, I was kind of a, Fortunately, it was before that movie came out, but I (laughs) empathized with that. Well, well, the more
3: I read the actual lyrics from Rocky Mountain High, there's an explanation of why John um, was – well, he wasn't actually talking about the mountains themselves. He was high on something else apparently. So (laughs) Perfect. But anyways. (laughs) All right,
1: Shannon, you're up next. (laughs) Anyway, so we have – Larry has a question. The blade edge on my number five Stanley Bailey jack plane was in horrible condition. So I laid the blade flat and used my sanding station to square the blade. This left the blade blunted on the end, and I cannot get it back to a razor-sharp edge. I'm using water stones and a jig set at 30 degrees, but am not getting good results. Uh, He's got a second question here I'll just do. Uh, My next question is, are all planes supposed to be sharpened to 30 degrees? I have a cheap Stanley low-angle block plane, but I can't find a definitive answer on what angle it should be sharpened at. I keep seeing 25 to 30 degrees everywhere, but I don't know which is best. Uh, we also had the similar question from Lamar. So we're, we're covering two birds with one stone here. Double dipping. Yeah. Uh, I am going to avoid the, what angle should they be sharpened at with a 10 foot pole? Uh, I sharpen everything <laughs> at 25 degrees because I'm lazy and it's easy. Um, you know, I don't think there is an angle that, uh, that a plane blade is supposed to be sharpened at. It's kind of, I mean, obviously, if you sharpen a plane blade at 45 degrees, you're going to have to be pushing the plane a lot more Then we get into bevel up and bevel down, because that's going to change how the blade cuts and everything. Frankly, 25 degrees works great <laughs> for me. Every every tool I have is sharpened 25 degrees, and I have some sort of micro bevel on it. As far as what angle the micro bevel is, is at, I have no idea, because I, I freehand sharpen everything now. So it's Probably within a couple of degrees, but couldn't tell you. Um, right. All of the tools I work with at the museum—they're th- not even close to consistent angle. It's, <laughs> it's one one's twenty-eight 38, point one's six, at twenty-five. <laughs> it, it, they're just sharp. That's all that really matters. Yeah. So,
3: um, well, you know that the one one thing. On, you kind of pointed to it it's like when you that's when you start getting into bevel up bevel down and obviously when, when it's beveled down it, it doesn't really matter because the bed of the frog is at 45 degrees so it's gonna be 45 degrees no matter what except right. of course if you get like a, a york pitch or a, what do they call it a, a a new pitch modern pitch whatever new uh, york pitch there you go so, yeah a new york state of pitch now <laughs> now there is one thing i
1: will say when you go towards the lower end you get below about 20 degrees then you've got to durability issue. Yeah. Right. Um, so I, I shouldn't say it doesn't matter. Um, I mean, really 25 to 35, I would say, you're going to be perfectly fine. You get above that and, you know, obviously the the, the tip is fatter and it's just not going to get as sharp. You get below that, you know, now you've got a very thin amount of steel out on the end. Um, I have a couple of pairing chisels, probably just under 20 degrees and they never get touched with a mallet. So, you know, if
3: I tried to bang on that with a mallet, it would probably fold the edge over a little bit because the the angle is so low. Yeah. And, and that um, was actually Lamar's question, though, where since we're kinda combining these ones, he had read an article talking about uh using the like a thirty degree bevel on say chisels. And he was well, he was wondering why you would do something like that versus the lower one. And I, I had actually responded that uh, it it depends on the steel, on one where you maybe are having it fold over much quicker, that thirty degree bevel Supposedly does help to give a little extra longevity between sharpenings, but of course, yeah. obviously, it also depends on the metal. You have crappy metal; it doesn't matter what degree you put it at. But I, I yeah. personally
2: tend to favor the larger bevel like that because I just—it's a durability thing for me. I mean, I, if I'm going to be you know smacking on this chisel, I want to make sure there's a lot of steel behind that tip. Uh, and I don't want to have to sharpen any more than necessary. So I tend to to favor the higher uh, the higher degree bevels, but I think really if he starts at like 25 and he gives himself a micro bevel of a degree or two, the thing is he can kind of test the water over time. Start out yes. with that 25 and work your way back until maybe you finally get to a third. Did you notice a difference? You know, because yeah. you, you may not even notice a difference, uh, but it's nice to experiment for yourself and, and just make a judgment call.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest crime is, okay, now I'm going to switch bevels and then you spend, you know, however long at the grinder, (laughs) grinding away all that steel to drop down five degrees and and it's just not, you know, you're right, we are talking about a durability issue, you know, you have to sharpen more. For me, it's just not an issue because now that I'm kind of gone down that freehand route and I'm not going to say that's better or not, it's just, it's so fast now. I'm talking 45 seconds to rehone an edge of a chisel, and I have a dedicating sharpens, sharpening station, so it, it's no time at all. I don't mind sharpening, and if it gets, you know, if the if the uh, edge gets dull faster, then I just go over and spend 30 seconds and, and refresh it. Yeah. So for me, it's just not an issue. If if you are like like Mark is saying, you know, I don't think anybody likes sharpening, but trying to do it as least amount as you can, then you might really. Think about that some more. If you're entirely reliant upon a jig and having to set uh, a degree on the jig, like you have an MK2 or something, then I think you you tend to think about a little bit more. But still, it's the same thing. Somewhere in the 25 to 30 degrees, you'll be fine. Use your micro bevel for the durability.
2: Yeah. If and, you know. and if you don't notice um, a performance difference between 25 and 30, then you're probably better off with 30 because you don't notice a performance difference and then you get the durability with it.
1: Very so, true. Although exactly. I, I will say on the low end of things, if you want a chisel dedicated to pairing, drop it to 20 degrees and yeah. it will change your life. Yeah. I'm glad awesome. you
3: said that. And that's yeah. probably
2: where you will see the big performance gain.
1: Yeah, it is outstanding. And if you, if you do a lot of work with
3: softwoods, consider 17 to 19 degrees. It's incredible what it does and just for those who who are brand new because obviously we do have a bunch of new people coming in uh can you explain just real quickly the difference between a, a pairing chisel and then maybe like a regular bench chisel why you would have that that lower angle what you know what you would actually use the pairing chisel for well as
1: far as the chisel itself there really isn't a difference i mean some pairing chisels have big long blades or some have really long handles Really, in my mind, what makes it a paring chisel is the angle that bevel is is sharpened at. It's a lower angle, which makes that, again, it's a much thinner section of steel out at the very tip, so it's it's more fragile. So a paring chisel, you don't ever want to whack it with a mallet. Um, okay. It's just not going to be able to stand up to that. So all you do is pair with it. You just use hand pressure. And if you're ever needing, say you cut a tenon and – You want to kind of stack the odds in your favor and maybe slightly back bevel that shoulder. Um, A a low angle on a pairing chisel just kind of nips a little bit off right at the shoulder. Or say you're cleaning up, you know, ingrain on dovetails, the little sections on the sides of the tails there. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just outstanding. You can drop a, a narrow edge of the chisel kind of in your gauge line and just kind of slice it away like it's butter. It's just. It's mm-hmm. lovely. Dude, these pairing chisels are like my favorite things out there, so I, I'm I'll, starting uh, to get a little too excited here.
2: You know, I actually have to admit, I don't have any chisels really set up for pairing. I've got my uh, crappy knock-around chisels, I've got my good set of joinery chisels, and I don't really have anything, I, I would love to have a nice little set that is dedicated to pairing tasks and sharpened at that uh, 25 or, or slightly less bevel. So I, I well, you know that's
1: that. a great area area to to play with vintage stuff. Yeah, because yeah. obviously the the vintage steel is just not as durable as modern steel. Mm-hmm. But when you're with pairing, I mean, you're just not putting that much stress on it. Right. So I have a lot of um, even Buck Brothers and and various other um, vintage ones, even post World War II tools that are just kind of cool because they've got patina on them and everything, and you sharpen them to you know. 20 degrees and just go to work and you spend five bucks on a bunch in a shoe box basically yeah, and yeah. go and grind them. And And there's no reason to spend a bunch of money on a pairing chisel just well, because it doesn't get stressed that much.
2: And you don't necessarily even need like a full array of sizes either. It seems yeah. like something you could really get away with one or two when yeah. it comes down to it.
1: Although the one thing I'll say with vintage is the <laughs> the backs tend to be ridiculously out of flat. So that does <laughs> yeah. take some
2: time. <laughs> right. All right, let's move on to the next one. We got a, a question from. Did ooh. we address this whole question though? I'm sorry. Oh, poop! You're right. He asked here. about uh, um, there was a, a blunt blade after reworking it, and he wants to know how we can get that guy sharp. It, <laughs> speaking of the back of the chisel, doesn't it sound like at that point it, this really starts with getting that back flat again, so that the t- every time he works the bevel, he can actually get the curl over the edge.
1: Yeah, he may he may <laughs> have done something with the back, or maybe he never did any lapped the back on it.
2: Yeah. Um, So it sounds like a lot of, he's got a lot of work ahead of him just lapping that back nice and flat.
3: It reminds me of a Woodworking in America 2011 when uh, I followed Ron Hawk over and he had taken a blade, a chisel blade. And he had blunted it right off so he could carry it on the plane with him. He's like, TSA can't say it's a weapon. I'm like, I don't know. In your hands, it could be. <laughs> and he was over at the Lee Nielsen station trying to resharpen it. And he actually stopped at one point. And was like, where the hell is the guy with a Tormac? <laughs> That's <laughs> what I need more than anything else. Nice. Nice.
2: Cool. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, if he doesn't get back to a flat back it's just game over i mean he's never really going to be able to get that razor sharp uh, razor sharp edge Weasel. weasel sop edge um all right let's move on to the next one a question from taff and he wants to know that's a business question this is the one i said that we're going to probably completely screw up on but uh i'm after some advice regarding a business startup i'm a keen hobbyist and i'm always being approached to build or turn items for people but i have some concerns about making it my living how do I still generate an income between commissions as my shop is at the bottom of the garden? uh, How do I separate work from home? Cheers, thanks for your help. So basically he wants to know, how does he make money while he's not doing the work that makes him money? So in between commissions, how does he survive? And then aside from that, how does he separate home and work? Now this is interesting because I know we all have kind of varying degrees of how much we're into this whole thing of, of actually going pro uh Matt I know you're primarily hobbyist but you do an occasional job here or there Shannon yep. you've got the hand tool school so you're you're really about 50-50 in terms of keeping a day job but having your uh side business going and I'm you know really on the other end of it 100% although I'm not 100% building furniture for a living I run my website for a living and I happen to build furniture right. uh, a little bit of a different thing so I'm curious um Uh, you know perspectives on this Uh, I could say personally the the work home separation is always an issue it's been an issue from day one it probably will always be an issue that's why there's a bathroom and a coffee pot in my shop now I was
3: just going (laughs) to (laughs) say
2: because that's my attempt at fooling myself into thinking I'm not going to get distracted enough to go into the house that's just uh, it's a matter of self control and discipline and frankly I don't have either of those and it's very difficult for me not to go into the house uh, so that will always be a, a problem, but I think if you really remove all the excuses, if you have everything you need to to go to your sort of your work you know it 's your work day you 're making your commute across the garden, <laughs> you go into your shop, um, you really do need to respect it and treat it as if you are at work and if you could right. if you could pull that off that 's going to make life a lot easier for you
1: and I think yeah. the key is not only you recognizing that but making sure the rest of your family recognizes that oh yeah. Because I know that was a <clears throat> that was an issue for me when when I launched the Hand Tool School, you know I was in the shop just like I was in the shop before, but now it was for business. Yeah. And you know, um, it, it not I mean Heather's been incredibly supportive of the whole thing, but once she kind of grasped the fact that. Oh, he's still at work. Um, she began to kind of treat that a little differently, to the point where she's almost hesitant to come into the shop now. because She doesn't want to interrupt a you know a, a footage or something like that, and so it has become um, it has become a workplace more than anything. It's else. no longer
2: um, it's no longer classified as farting around, as my family would call it.
1: <laughs> yeah, good point. Good point. But I also think the key is you got to be passionate about it because that's what the big a lot of people say is. You know, the minute that hobby becomes uh, an occupation, it takes the joy out of it. So you got to make sure that you're really going to be happy with what it is you're going to be doing full time. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's a lot easier said than done, obviously.
2: It absolutely is. Um, Now, between commissions, I can say one thing that helped me when I was building furniture for a living is, of course, you're going to have your dry spells. I used to do a lot of refinishing. Now, I'm not talking about restoration. I'm not talking about, you know, doing uh, museum quality pieces here. I'm talking about, People who, and there's a big market for this, especially in a down economy, people aren't willing to buy new furniture, but they are willing to pay a few bucks to have their furniture stripped and refinished. So if you don't mind dealing with the whole refinishing uh, selection of, of, of crap that you have to deal with, which frankly <laughs> sucks, um Refinishing is not a bad way to make a few bucks with very little in the way of material costs and effort and you can actually you know, turn a profit and frankly refinishing was one of the only reasons I was profitable when I first started was was doing these little refinishing jobs. Um, So that's something I would recommend. Just, of course, make sure you're doing the work justice. Uh, And and if you don't know anything about furniture restoration, be very careful about your client's expectations and what you're doing because you don't want people thinking you are doing a restoration. There's a big difference between that and what I would call sort of your DIY or or high-level DIY refinishing job.
1: Yeah, like the restaurant owner comes to you with 50 chairs that all need to be like- shored up so they don't fall apart
2: yeah that's actually a fantastic way to make some extra money i'm glad you brought that up i used to go to restaurants and restaurant bars and approach them and Break say the hey, chairs. i would go yeah. and i would yeah, deliberately open, like, hey let's go to the bar <laughs> i'd bring a hammer with me um i would actually go there and especially places if i've eaten there and i'm like oh this chair is a little bit wobbly i would talk to a manager and give him my card and say look if you want some of these chairs tightened up uh, if you want some of them refinished, you know, we could talk. And a lot of them will do that. They're willing to spend 50 bucks. As soon as he realizes you're not threatening to sue him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but they will, you know, 50, 100 bucks a chair. I mean, you can actually make quite a bit of cash on something like that with no material investment other than maybe a little bit of glue, uh, knocking the joints apart and putting them back together. It's really not that bad of a way to fill in those gaps.
3: I could totally see if the manager was somebody like me and somehow misinterpret it. And they've got this, you know, this Italian guy coming in from New Jersey who wants to do something about breaking legs.
2: (laughs) I see your your table legs are broken and uh, that could be a problem for you.
3: you One question I I do have is what about the idea of maybe – if there's somebody in the area who also is in a, a similar situation who is you know has maybe some side jobs or something, I know for Samantha with the photography, occasionally she'll take on during a slow season like as a uh, second shooter, so she'll be the backup photographer or kind of getting like the the extra angle or something. Are you claiming uh, that there was a second shooter? You know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Actually, we're thinking the same was, thing. She's in Shannon. diapers. And she <laughs> <laughs> nice. But, you know, have, having somebody that you can also turn to who maybe can throw a little extra work your way here and there, you know, yep. but it still leaves you the opportunity to continue doing what you're doing when the opportunity comes up for you to do what you need to do. Totally.
2: Totally. I had about three or four local guys that I cooperated with on various things and we would take on projects that were too big for either one of us to do individually. And then when there were things that were sort of outside of my expertise, I could pass them on to them and vice versa. So that's, that's also a really, really good, good uh, way to do that.
1: I've heard quite a few of, of my um, clients buy lumber from me that, you know, always been traditional cabinet makers and furniture makers that are now doing more built-in work. Mm -hmm. Um, More of, I guess, I hate to call it the general contractor type thing, but there have been a few of them that, you know, simple things like installing crown molding. Um, They've kind of done that in between. And, you know, I don't think that's really the, the ideal situation, but it's been really effective for a lot of these guys in central Pennsylvania that, you know, they have that downtime in between And they've got great customers that have bought furniture from them in the past. But, you know, let's face it. You can only buy so many pieces of furniture. Yeah. And now, but because of the fact that, you know, they've worked with them in the past, they have that kind of trust from a former client, they're able to pick up jobs for other things around the house or whatever. And that's been pretty effective.
2: And and let that be sort of the the theme of this conversation be a little bit of a, a warning to you because this is a hard way to make a living. Um, building furniture for a living is very difficult, and it's it's going to test your will. It's going to test your passion for the craft, and it's going to test your business skills. So it's something to really give a whole lot of thought to before you jump into it. Um, all right, so you have a suggestion here on a, a, a book or something, right?
3: Right, and th- this is now I just a quick disclaimer. Hendrik uh if anybody remembers, he used to come on my show periodically, he was my guest expert. He does do an annual. Uh, a conference it's a one day uh, seminar but he sells a book called uh starting and running a woodworking business if you actually go on my, on my website at com, we do have a couple of shows where he did come in and answer some questions leading up to the actual seminar i've never attended the seminar he like i said he's been doing it annually for a number of years and he still sells out every single year so there's possibility that you could get some information from him i don't know you know exactly what if it's enough to help you get going, if it's enough to keep you going. Or if we whatever. know Hendrik,
2: it is two things: thorough and <laughs> meticulous.
3: Those are two very good words to describe it. Definitely,
2: <laughs> uh, I don't think Hendrik ever disappoints in terms of the the breadth of knowledge that he brings to the table. So I think if you are in in the the running for for starting your business, that is a worthy investment to uh, to yep. know what you're getting into.
3: And the nice thing. It, when he when he when you purchase the book, I do believe you also get at least one phone consultation with him That's to answer the questions right. from yeah. it. That's so, perfect. Great. So that should last you about six hours. <laughs> there is a, if I can
1: add to the reading list, and I'll drop this in the show notes later. But there is a, a book out there called Small Prod- Small Shop Production Woodworking. Hmm. I think I may be butchering that title, but it's an outstanding book, and it talks a lot about what we've just mentioned by find a little niche um, and. It's you know the guy that wants to build furniture, but has found that in between, uh, there's a like seven or eight case studies of actual businesses and what they've done to fill that time in between. Nice. Um, simple things like uh, there was one guy that manufactures like these wooden circles. For the state government, I don't remember what it was for exactly. Um, <laughs> nice, but it was the type of thing they just where, need a lot
2: of circles.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. We need, yeah, we I mean, need it was more circles. As simple
1: as that. He was able to batch it out, <laughs> but he only did it like once every quarter. Um, it's probably because the other it,
3: guy that's doing it went insane. <laughs> that's why they have to keep be. batching them out. <laughs> but you know, th- there's a lot of instances like that, and people
1: that have found other ways to do things. There's a pin turner, I think, that has found a way to tap into a new market. So it's it's a really interesting book. I'll um cool. drop. On Amazon link to it
3: in the show notes.
2: Fantastic. All right, let's move on to iTunes reviews. You know we love our five-star iTunes reviews. We don't love the rest. That's just the way it is. Sorry.
3: Yeah, sorry, four and a half, just not cutting it.
2: (laughs) So yeah, if you want to leave us a review, uh, head over to iTunes, drop into the Wood Talk uh, area, I guess, in the iTunes store and you can leave us a nice review. Uh, We've got two to read for you here today. No Name Road wrote this one. He says this is the only podcast I've ever listened to and the reason I downloaded the podcast app. So I don't have a lot to compare it to. That's fine. You don't <laughs> need to listen to any other ones because this this is it. You found Wait, a best podcast
3: out there? I nope. didn't know
1: that was possible. You have reached the apex <laughs> of podcasts. This
2: is it. Everything else will be a disappointment. All right, that said, it's a little bit like car talk. Uh only this is a topic I give a crap about and thankfully <laughs> Uh, there's no annoying, fake, cackling laughter to roll my eyes at. Now, wait a minute wait there. Wait a minute. What show is he listening
3: to? What I, have I been doing for all of
2: these years? What is a chortle? I mean, isn't that the definition of a chortle, an annoying, fake, cackling laugh? No, actually, actually a, a chortle.
1: Of a-
3: <laughs> Go ahead, Janet.
1: Please yeah, a chortle is a portmanteau or a combination word, which is a mixture between chirp and whistle. Oh,
3: huh. well, very nice. Yeah.
1: By the way, uh, Friday the 30th, the word of the day is chortle
3: there you go I expect all of you to chortle along by the way I have t-shirts available cafe press there you go
2: chortle (laughs) chortle all day long okay uh, I'll grab the next one here since I didn't assign it Um, DT Christensen says he's always got something funny to say on Twitter funny guy despite the fact that they're just making sawdust sexy these guys are really entertaining and deliver a great service to the online woodworking community well done and thanks I've enjoyed every hour of wood talk so uh, thanks very much and uh, hey again iTunes leave us a review we love reading them on the show
3: That Um, is right.
2: One thing I wanted to mention here is I listen to other podcasts. That's just something I do. And I love it when people have contributions that they play at the end of the show. Now, we've had in the past tips from Carrie. We've had Tom's tips, but he's so busy uh, saving the planet in New York and doing other things that he doesn't always have time to do the tips. So um, this is something where we really like this to be a real community show, a real community effort. So if you have a computer and a microphone and you've got some tips that you want to share feel free to send them to us and just record a quick audio clip. It can't be too long, you know, nothing more than like a minute or so and record something to it uh, that just gives us a tip, something from your shop, some cool information, something neat that you found. Uh, You want to do a regular segment, we're willing to to, to listen to what you've got so send those to us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com and we will consider playing those at the end of the show.
1: Heck yeah. Hey guys, I have a tip. Here's how you carve a ball and claw foot. <laughs> Step one. <laughs> Nine this minutes be
2: later. Over
3: 60 segments. <laughs>
2: <sighs> yeah, if it's too long, we won't be able to play it, but uh, keep it concise, keep it short. Uh, the other thing I want to say is that today's show was supported by Bad Axe Toolworks at badaxtoolworks.com and Benchcrafted at benchcrafted.com. Both companies make fantastic products. Very uh, small organizations, the kind of companies you really like to support, and they make top-notch stuff that nobody else can touch, which is pretty cool.
3: Sweet, yeah.
2: All right, so Matt, you want to give them that contact info, and we will get out of here.
3: Yep. Of course, if you have comments, questions, or maybe a topic suggestion, don't forget you can uh, leave us a voicemail, but you have several different ways to contact us. Voicemail, Skype, look for us at Wood Talk Online. Uh, our voicemail line is 623-242-5180. If you want to give us a call, email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. And of course, you can leave something over at Wood Talk Facebook page, like so many of you are doing. And if you're looking for... The download for today's show or for any of the show notes, whatever it is from today or the previous ones, look for those over at woodtalkshow.com and that is just about going to do it. Uh, right. Of course, all that information will be in the show notes, which again, woodtalkshow.com
2: Very cool. Alright, it's been a great show. Guys, have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Gobble gobble,
3: suckas. See ya! Right. I can feel the pie is filling in already. Wait a minute, I haven't even eaten yet. Mm-mm-mm.
1: and other shows visit frogpants.com
0: audio program so good it's like you're there